Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. WrestleMania! WrestleMania is running There you have it. Next Chamber. The album is out next Friday, June 4th. Peter Rosenberg, real late. And back, the physically vacationing SGG. Hey, SGG. Yo, when people get the full real late album, you've been privy. Yeah, you will be on the receiving end of of a lot of praise, possibly a lot of apologies. You think you think people will apologize? I mean, maybe the the real ones will. The real ones will. They'll know. They'll know. They'll that. say, you know what? I was wrong about Peter Rosenberg. I want to hear from at least one person who like hates my guts, who's like, "Yo, I can't stand you." But damn like it, if I don't respect you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I that's what yeah, I want man. because I I really I firmly feel that if you have an ear for good hip hop music you will find it to be sort of a, an undeniable project. I really, and you, and by the way, thank you for, I sent SGG the album while he was on vacation. And thank you for the thoughtful and sincere uh, praise. Yeah, no, high high praise, high praise. I, I like the the Styles P joint. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to ask you about your, your first encounter with Jim Jones um, until after the album mm-hmm. comes out. We can talk about that after the album comes out. Um. But yeah, no, just a really, it's like a perfectly curated album. I keep saying this just because, you know, you that's what you did. You curated it. I know people are asking, like, how is it a Peter Rosenberg album? Because you you pieced the puzzle together. That's, that's the thing. It's, like, hard to explain to people. But then I also realize that people don't, if you're not in the music business, people don't necessarily 
have an understanding of what putting together an album is. Right. So it's like they think that, like, you know, there's the musician, and that's it, and they, they make an album. They don't really understand right. that there's always someone. Sometimes it's the artist, but sometimes it's other people who are sort of the engine of, of said project. Right. Um, and this time that is you. That is correct. And it was a lot. I mean, this was... I had two songs turned in that were completed, basically completed. The only song that was completely com- complete was the West Side Gun song. And the only change I made to that song was he had the wrong air horns in it. So you know how that song starts over again and he hits air horns? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was just the wrong air horns. He didn't have the Cypha Sounds proper air horns. Well, the song is a single, right? You can play a snippet for the people so they know what we're talking about, right? Because that's not... That song is out. People can listen if they haven't been listening. They should have been listening already to Stain. Uh, Peter Rosenberg and West Side Gun. It's out there. It's out there for the people. By the way, SUG, how was the physical vacation? Oh, it was great. It was great. It was needed. It was nice, relaxing, you know, not having to worry about anything. Just kicking up. And was it a re- was it a recon trip for the wedding? <laughs> it was not. This was just like a like a let's get out of Philly. And then we just bounced. So you didn't go to the place that where the wedding is even? No, I did not. But you was but this was in Mexico. This was in Mexico. Somewhere else. Somewhere else, yeah. Wow. The physical as, vacation. as Zach Linda put it, we did the we did the Mexican buffet. We already have been to where the wedding is taking place, so we decided to check out another spot. <laughs> Go around. The physically on vacation is I already got a couple of emails calling you that. It was it's it's turning into something. Now, SGG, before we get into what's going on this week, did you hear last week's podcast? Um, I heard some of it. I heard some of it. Did you hear um, my imaginary argument with you where you weren't there, but I made the argument for you as best I could? No, I did not. Are you talking about the crowds? Yes. I I, I, okay. I presented what I assumed would be your argument. But what, I, what did you assume would be my argument? Well, I know that you hate crowds dictating storyline. And you hate right. crowds ruining matches by, you know, chanting that it sucks before it even starts or hitting right. beach balls. Right. And so that's so, what yeah, I, for, I assumed that was the crux of your argument. But I also right. believe it was I, I tell me if I'm wrong. I think you I think you actually Stephen aid that and added a little bit of trolling in, into it. No. No, cuz I mean, if we if we all just jump back into the to the way back machine when we first lost crowds during the pandemic, I came on here and said, you know, like it's definitely missing something. There's something obviously be in the crowd and like you can't replicate that. But I don't mind the crowdless shows. Like I didn't mind it. And then you know they created the Thunderdome so that you could actually see something in the background. And they're doing their best with the with the piped in noise. It's not it's not a replication. It's not at all the same as like the loud crowd, genuine reactions and real feels. But for me. The crowds became insufferable at some points. Like the the random abuse you might hear chanted at a deep at a at the women during a women's match. You know, like the random CM Punk chants, like you said, deciding that something sucks before the bell even rings. 
Like, but to you, like but that. to you, that stuff overshadows all the moments that are made by a crowd. No, it doesn't overshadow. That's why I tried to balance it. Like I didn't say keep the Thunderdome completely. You know, I said keep the Thunderdome for weekly TV, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, so they can tell the story, develop the story, do what they want to do with the story, and then unleash the the full fury of the crowd during the pay per views when they have the most eyes on it. And it's going to be the most impactful and then let people feel how they're going to feel. Because, again, like during those pay-per-views and WrestleMania approved it, like you you need the crowd for like a WrestleMania, man. You need the crowd for like a, a, a money in the bank cash in or like a, a, a big. But what if that cash like in that? happens on Raw or SmackDown? If the cash in happens on Raw or SmackDown, then the person cashing in has to take that as like not a vote of confidence because they want to control the reaction. You know what I mean? They want to full control of the reaction. Yeah, but then hold on, but that means hold on, but then you're also taking away that you could ever have a random like here there are many reasons why your point is insane. Um and none why it's valid you think what, only, give me give me the top reason that it's insane <laughs> and the and there's one reason why it's valid of course but give me the give me one of the many reasons why it's insane well the, it's it's awful for the talent first and foremost it's not, not just, necessarily though because think about uh, think about during the pandemic like like a guy like Cesaro probably wouldn't have gotten the chance he got in front of the crowd and even like a Dominic Mysterio like a lot of that was able to develop through promos and and things that happened again without a crowd there to sabotage it. But that but Dominic's actually a bad example to me because Dominic's someone who could have really gotten over with the crowd out of sheer nostalgia and love for Rey Mysterio, and or he could have went the other way. He could have got, got sabotaged. But the like thing when is, Jinder Mahal got the championship, the crowd immediately went to work trying to cut him off at the knees. But but it, it could have gone that. But that's the challenge. That's what makes wrestling an art. You have to, you have to perform in front of a crowd. If you, if you're not able to galvanize a crowd, and you can blame the crowd and say, "Oh, well, that's just the crowd being jerks," blah blah blah. But okay, but that's that's what this performance art has always been. Who pops the crowd? You know, it's like so to to take away that, you know, on a weekly basis where you only get to do it once a month. To me, you're fundamentally changing the art form forever. You're saying we don't, that's not what this is about. Change is fine. Change yep. is fine. They got to move to the future at some point. But in this case, the change would be removing the skill set. You're, you're removing the real skill. The number one hardest skill to get is being over with the crowd. And if you remove that completely, okay, it, you you may have people that, fine, but it's basically acknowledging we're starting a new thing. This is not even professional wrestling as it was. I mean, which is fine. So it's like, fi- so then why are you even into it? If if you don't want heat, you don't want real heat for people. You don't want real pops for people. You don't want any of the things that drive the business. It ceases to be this business. No, you see, you're not listening. I said they can have it at pay per views and things like that. But having it, like I said, the crowd just got insufferable for me. Especially, but how often? The end. It wasn't every week. It was a lot on an average on an average week of TV. The crowd it did not remotely hinder my enjoyment of the product. And in fact, the times when it bothered you the most was at the events at which you still want a crowd. WrestleMania yeah, main event, lot. beach balls. 
That was at WrestleMania. So you can't, even if you have the crowd at all, you're never going to remove that sometimes they're not going to do what you want them to do. No, that's true. You can't. Because like you said, and it's a fact, introducing the crowd introduces that unpredictability that you want sometimes. But at the same time, again, I feel like the crowd just got insufferable at points and the Thunderdome era showed that they can actually do exciting things without the crowd. So yes, I will miss the Thunderdome when it goes away and they eventually go back to... um, This is your all-time worst take. Number one worst take of all time. Listen, that is fine. I don't care who agrees, who disagrees, whatever. But the thing is, I just don't believe you. I fundamentally do not believe that you think when SmackDown or Raw starts right now and they show the Thunderdome, that it excites you as much as when you watched weekly TVs and the first shot was of a crowd cheering. I do. There's How could that not impact you? You you see it start in an empty place with screens, and you feel the same energy that if you were to go watch an Attitude Era Raw and the show comes on and you see signs everywhere and JR's yelling, we're live, and blah, 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 and blah, and then the music hits and someone comes out and the crowd goes crazy to start a show, that is not integral to you to what the whole thing is? But P, but then what happens after that, right? Because then on, let's take a SmackDown, because Raw, Raw is generally bad. <laughs> Raw had an had an exciting match this week between Woods and and Riddle. Um, if you haven't seen it, it definitely is worth going back and watch. It's probably one of the best TV matches of the year. But Raw is generally bad, so let's just pop over to SmackDown, where they give you stories and they give you things to engage you and enthrall you, even in the absence of a crowd, because you know the crowd showing up doesn't make up for. Like, it wouldn't make up for a bad role. But it would make SmackDown even better. Yeah, possibly. SmackDown would be even better if there was a crowd there. If Bailey's possibly. getting booed and Bianca's getting cheered. like, like- Bianca, see, But see, you don't, know, you don't know what would happen, though. We don't know what would happen. Because, like, even Bianca's a good example. Like, does the crowd immediately get behind her or does she get sabotaged? We don't know. Listen, do your job. Do your job. Be over. The crowd will cheer. How many times in history? This is not true. <laughs> well, listen, not true. It, it is true. I mean, ultimately, even the even the main event, which you you know you were upset that people booed a main event. Well, they got it wrong. It was the wrong main event. It was not what they wanted. Like, which, it's, what are you talking about? It's one of the few businesses. I mean, I, that was Roman Brock, right? Wasn't but even the, then, you say it's not what the people wanted. It's this a it's a show. It's not a, it's not always about what the people want or even sending people home because this is a never ending story. So it's like if you treat WrestleMania like you got to get the happy ending. And it wasn't about the happy ending, though. They booed from the second the match started because they weren't interested. And and because and, they never they again, that's an instance of the crowd. But, you, but, hold on, but do you think the crowd the came together? Do you think the crowd came together was like, let's let's find a way to ruin this. That's sabotage. Sabotage is saying, we don't want this. We're going to let everyone know this sucks. And 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 at no point is it given a chance. I, we've seen stories turn around. We've seen people turn on characters. We've seen people go from being uninterested to being interested. It does happen. And we've seen people sabotage people. Like Agenda Mahal, I can't say this enough, is a great example. They People ask for something different. They ask for WWE to try something new. WWE slapped the title on Agenda Mahal and... People try to cut him off at the knees. 
But and, for, but first of all, there were people who were really into Jinder Mahal, and then there were yeah, people. Yeah, no, I was one of them. But then there were people who booed him because he was a heel. No, you're being oversimplistic because then there were people who just straight up didn't want him in that position and tried to get him out of there. I, I, I now lucky for him. Lucky for him, he was a heel, so the booze worked to his advantage. But, but that, if he no, was but, a baby but face, maybe it was like just that. doing. But maybe you're mixing what you read on the internet with what the crowd is doing on TV, which is not really connected. Because most of the it people who talk trash on the internet, than, they make up a tiny percentage of people in the buildings. I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, most of the people who talk trash on the internet can't afford to go to the shows. Oh my god, I wasn't gonna say that though. I well, you listen, man. I heard what you said to that caller. Oh, Michael. Okay, That's so. true. So you never know what I'm capable of. No, I, I listen. It's it's an interesting argument, and I can understand why at moments one could feel that way. But the number one argument against you, in my opinion, is that you are punishing talent to not have people there. You are making. I don't think talent gets punished though. But I'm. I'm, I think I'm telling you though. I'm there. They they want a crowd there. Even the ones who are getting the opportunities who might not otherwise get it, they they ultimately all want to know what the crowd would think. They don't feel the same thing just performing. Like, yes, they are actors in that sense, and they are doing a show, and they just want to do their job. But simultaneously, they got into this business because they saw people they loved and hated get booed and cheered, and they want that experience. And you're really cheating them to not give it to them. Cesaro wants to know if the crowd cheers for him. He doesn't want to just, as much as one man's opinion means the most, they want that crowd. And it's really hard to do that job. You know, it would be hard for Broadway actors to every night go out and do a show for an empty room. No, those are, that's called that's called movie actors. <laughs> a yeah, but they don't. Thing. But they don't do a show every night. You know, it's 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 more like soap opera actors, you know, right. who just go on <laughs> right. a set every day. And these people didn't get into this business to literally. It may have similarities to soap operas. They did not try to do a soap. You know, they didn't. I don't think they put their bodies and <laughs> and and lives on the line to not have someone cheer when they do something cool. Listen, and, I I get what you're saying about how the the athletes and the the. The restless feel. I get what you're saying about how the the people in the company feel, but for me and my personal viewing experience, the crowd has 100% made moments for sure. I'm definitely not saying that, but what I'm saying is that I feel like the Thunderdome has shown that there is a balance that can be struck, and 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 the, and the ratings crowd being and no all, crowd and the all time low ratings don't you don't think there's any correlation. No, I don't. I don't care about the ratings because the WWE is not going anywhere. You, and, you and keep, they you get, keep they, saying that. You keep saying that ratings don't matter. Anywhere. They do matter. They they're matter. They're not going anywhere. But 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 people's jobs go places. You're you not seeing what's going on. Changes get made because ratings go down. Like that is real life. That is that the business to some degree hinges on that. It affects the number of Peacock subscriptions. It affects the, the, the money the advertisers are willing to spend. It affects the amount of sponsors that are there. It's all cyclical. But so, they get they got sponsors. They got they get they just had I don't even know how many billion dollar deals they already did. They got a million dollars for ten minutes of zombies just be at the pay-per-view hey listen just because it's always been there and things have been fine doesn't mean it's gonna be fine forever. Listen, you're entitled to your opinion. I think it's 
I cannot. I'll just say this for me as a wrestling fan. You are entitled to think whatever you want. I miss the crowd. I am very excited. They're going back to live crowds. I'm, I'm hopeful that we are through the worst of the pandemic and there's no strain that hits this country the way it's hit others and that, you know, people believe in the vaccine enough to to let us really get to a, a place of safety. It doesn't seem like that's entirely possible, but um, I miss it every week. When I, wa- I watch old TV and I watch new TV, and that crowd, to me, makes a huge impact. And for all the annoying things they do and the, 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 the things that you don't like about it, ultimately, in the case of sports and in the case of wrestling, the whole thing's only happening because of the crowd. That is the maybe, whole thing. And maybe it's just like that, like you just said, right? For all the annoying things they do, it probably just annoys me more than it annoys you. Which, again, is fine. Because yeah, like you said, I, they're, going, they're going back to the live crowd, so it doesn't matter. Damn right. How, that... how I feel about it doesn't matter. Guess who lost? <laughs> me. <laughs> they're going back to the live crowd. I will miss the Thunderdome. I do think there was a balance between, you know, keeping the Thunderdome and not whether it was like more house shows and things like that. But no, that, that, either way, let me, I want to tell you one thing that was never considered for one second ever since the beginning of the pandemic was not going back to live crowds on Monday and Friday. It was that was not even a remote consideration. This this had to happen. And I just listen, I the you so you think that you would rather have no crowd than have, say, the reaction when, I'm just going to throw out great great moments, when Jericho showed up on Raw for the first time. You wouldn't want a crowd there for that. You would think it would you be just as cool. You can't do that because you can't, you can't go back in time and do that because even then it's like... When, when, when Daniel Bryan, uh, no, when CM Punk won the title for the first time, when Dolph Ziggler cashed in the night after Raw, when, when Bret Hart came back on that episode of raw when shane O'Matt came back on an episode of raw i mean these are you all you can't do you well, can't that's do that what the show is that's what we're there for you every can't week go back in time and and do that because you but it, no it means it means them. moving forward you know if john moxley were to, to walk out on AEW one day and return to wwe you and and they would do it on a random tv you would want it to just be the thunderdome I don't know. I, <laughs> I might have gotten you on that one. I don't know. Because you can't have everything happen on pay-per-views. You need things you to happen on TV. You can't. You can't. But just because there's no crowd doesn't mean that the moment is ruined. It hurts. It de- to me, it does. De- it's different. I'm not, I'm not saying that it won't be different. I'm not saying that it's exactly the same. It's different. But I, I'm not. In these cases, uh, you know, I don't know how much I'm on different. Uh, let's just leave this. I will say this though: with the Thunderdome going away, they also should do less of the CGI entrance stuff. Because I feel like that only worked in this like super tech arena world. Yeah, I mean they they'll they'll always do it on pay per views, like when they show the graphics before a match. But that's just for TV. Yeah. But but doing it week to week, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. So what what happened outside the ring this week? Well, the you were friends with Alexa Bliss, so would you like to say a few words about Jimmy Steve? You mean Larry Steve? You confused two stories. Larry Steve, I did confuse. 
I'd be um, confused. Um, yeah, I, I really, I, I do want to send love to Alexa Bliss. So her her pig passed away. He got sick on Monday, so she missed Raw. And then apparently he passed away Tuesday morning. He was about to turn four years old. She loved that pig. Um, and anyone who follows her on social saw when she got him as a tiny little piglet. He was the cutest little thing. She thought he was like a, a little mini pig. He really ended up becoming a... Not a full-size, I mean, I guess he's not a full-size pig. He wasn't like a 1,000 pounds, but he was a bi- He was like the size of a big, big dog. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he passed away kind of out of nowhere, just just kind of got sick and died very quickly. So Yeah, that sounds fast, Monday to Tuesday. Yeah, and she was trying to get help. She was on social media asking for help. She couldn't get a vet that would help him, and he passed. Super, super sad. So it's definitely sending love out to Bliss. And uh, hopefully she'll be back at TV next week. But uh, yeah, that was that was a real real bummer. R.I.P. Larry Steve. Yes. And speaking of changes, that'll <laughs> imminent changes to Monday Night Raw. Adnan Burke is out. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Smith, I think I got that right this time. Mm-hmm. Not Jimmy Steve, but <laughs> Jimmy Smith is in. As the as his replacement and the the new lead announcer for Monday Night Raw, and uh, Jimmy Smith, I think, did some work on NXT recently. Mm-hmm. So wrestling fans, um, especially if you if you follow NXT, you might know him. He only he popped up on one kickoff show, and then I think he maybe done some other things behind the scenes. I don't know if we'd seen it yet. I know he does an MMA podcast. I know he used to call Bellator. Very polished. Seems like an announcer, more traditional even than Adnan, whose style's a bit different. I mean, remember, Adnan's not a play-by-play guy. Um, Right. He didn't even, you know, this is a a nearly impossible job. And if you don't even have play-by-play of fighting to start, I think it's an even tougher spot. Jimmy Smith has that. So, you know, listen, I think it's... um, an interesting and risky move to go right from someone to someone else who hasn't done it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Bless you. Thank you. But so I do think it's a little bit risky to go right to another novice because what if after five weeks it's the exact same thing? It, you yeah, put, that's the chance they're taking. And and you know and I and I have to say, I think. Do I think Adnan had been good? No. Do I think he'd been terrible? No. And I think I think it you had to assume he was going to need time to get good. So funny yeah, though. I, I, I agree I, with you 100%. I remember the first night he came on 6 weeks ago. Night after Mania, people were like, "Yo, this Adnan's good." And then by the next week, People are like, this is not good. And, yeah, and the turn the turn happens quick, yo, when you're dealing with wrestling fans. Now I think you can, over you cannot get comfortable with wrestling fans. No, and I think over time he would have gotten there. But like, you know, I, I just think people do not understand how hard the job is. Like, I see the comments even I get on a week to week basis. And I think people don't forget that you're part of the show. I mean, don't remember that you're part of the show. Right. So 
they'll just be like, why didn't you just say this? And I'm like, well, you can't say that. You're, you're part of the show. Like, it, it, it's, it's, so, it's such a testament to how much you like, you know, we so focused on the act, the, the athletes and what they do in the ring that we forget, like you said, the announcers the the celebrity guests everybody is driving this this show like you said and if you don't understand how to you have to do okay so here's the job you have to first and foremost do a ton of traffic opening segments closing segments mentioning sponsors getting into um a card where you read a sponsor getting out of it previewing telling people who people are, reminding people of their history. Then you have to call the action in the ring. But you're calling the action in a way that is different than competitive sports. Um, JBL explained this to me in a way that I'd never thought of it before. He said, in, in sports, the announcers like to be early. They want to be ahead of everything. Pro wrestling commentators don't want to be early. They want to let people see it and call what's happened. You almost want to be a bit late so the really hardcore fan is like, yeah, I know, I already saw that. You're not trying to call things early. You have to let things play out. It's a different art. The art of of painting that picture or helping paint that picture is different in pro wrestling. So yeah, your storytellers, <laughs> it's, it's a, and it really is storytelling. So, you know, listen, I think Jimmy Smith, from what I've seen, and it's not very much, he seems polished, knowledgeable sports fan, wrestling fan. Um, and he's done actual play by play. So maybe it'll be good, but you know, I've always been a little miffed cause I've always thought Tom, was sort of the best straight-ahead play-by-play guy you could ever have. Like you, and you've always been right. Like Tom is so good. Tom, he, Tom gives you exactly what, in my opinion, they're looking to get: credible, sports-seeming, but understands the business. I, I truly believe. You cannot do better than Tom Phillips. You know, Michael Cole. Even, the, even his voice. And, it, and Oh, and his like, voice is awesome. So I, I've never understood why he's not the guy. I, I just don't quite get it. Um, you know, Cole does an amazing job. I don't even quite count Cole because he is like almost beyond like <laughs> – what Cole's capable of is no mortal could be expected to do what Cole does. And I know people tease certain things he does, and I get it. However, they don't understand what he's sort of dealing with also. And and Cole fully gets how to call it, give it a sports vibe, and be entertainment. But outside of Cole, there are not a lot of people capable of that. Um, So we'll see if they can get it because... It, it is not an easy gig. What else happened in SGG? And finally, um, last week on AW Dynamite, Cody Rhodes gave a promo that was, it was much talked about, let's say. I don't know if it was last week. It might have been two weeks ago. 
No, it was last week. It was last week. And then recently on a podcast, uh, he shared in response to the, the criticism that the promo received that the promo was tested with the focus groups and uh, that it workshopped it and that what we got was the final product. And people are even more, I won't say mad, but now people are even more annoyed at the promo now that Cody has given everyone that little peek behind the curtain. Well, if nothing else, now it just seems like you you could either like it or not like it, but now it also makes it feel like lame on top of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, in the process, I you know, I feel like he sort of threw, threw a lot of those old-timers under the bus too. So this is the quote. Uh, he was on GameSpot's Wrestle Buddies podcast. He said, "This is probably not. Gonna, this is probably going to sound not cool because a lot of wrestlers, especially wrestlers from my dad's era, will lie to you and say, oh, I just came up with that promo right there on the spot, which is BS. But whatever. Um, I workshop my promos heavily for weeks on end. We have a full focus group for them, as crazy as that sounds, because this is a database company, so I workshop everything I do. And because my promos have been held to a really high standard and people pick at them and find things um, in them and they put a microscope on them, which I love. But, but and, and that, that was the end of the quote that they pulled. But focus group testing your promos is, is, is sort of, it does sound crazy to me. I know he said it would sound crazy to people. It does sound crazy. It it just does not sound rock and roll at all. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, especially when you tell people that you're going to be giving unscripted, like on the spot promos. You can't go back behind the curtain and say, "Well, actually, I focus test everything," or uh, you know, I run everything through a focus group. Now let's. So, what were people most upset about with the actual? promo itself besides the fact that hearing that it's workshopped quote unquote which i've never heard that term i gotta be honest that is new to me never heard uh, that yeah no no one's yeah. ever mentioned to me that that's a thing but uh what 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 is it that people most felt about the promo so it was it was you know the rambling and the meandering he, he they forgave him for that but when it went into the the racial territory is where i feel like cody sort of you know created this great divide amongst wrestling fans who were just like on the one side like yeah this is what we need you know we need to be more united and 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 stop all this hatred that's going on and then others who were just like this is not great and he just doesn't get it um yeah it's it's and to me personally you know it I was very annoyed with the promo and then with the doubling down of on the promo afterwards on social of him just telling people like, you know, I've been told this promo was was the greatest, one of the one that I've ever one of the greatest promos I've ever done, and just sort of digging in and not really hearing people who were affected by the racial piece of it. So that annoyed me a little bit. Um and yeah, it it's set, I see he's trying to sell a fight. I get that, but 
when you when you make it racial and and do something like that, you got to be on point. Like you really have to have to hit it out the park. And for me, the promo didn't do that. You know what I mean? And I know he was trying to walk the line of just you know being a proud American. And I don't think being proud to be an American makes you a bad person or, or a racist or anything like that. But again, when you try to walk that line in the way that he did it, you know, you know, mentioning that he's going to have a, a biracial daughter and that he's in an interracial relationship. When you bring that racial piece into, you know, the proud American jingoistic stuff, you got to be on point, especially when this is supposed to be a promo that's pointed at a, at a black man. And I just don't think he was on point with it. So, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't, I, to me, it didn't, not that, you know, my opinion is the all uh, important opinion on this subject, but. But it's still all important to you, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, no, Your I opinion mean. opinion matters the most to you. I, 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 I try to, you know, I, I care about things like this. It didn't, it didn't enter to the world of like, you know, uh, bad guy or I, ca- I can't mess with Cody Rhodes anymore. It did not enter there for me. I do agree with you about it not being on point. Like, it just wasn't solid. It was like, there is a way to do that. Like, there was a way. If it was if it was about, we're going to make this an America, like a pro-America thing that he wants to do. And by the way, I did love that for one night only the American dream. I think that was a, a cool idea. If I don't know if I would have used it here. I don't know if that story has that enough gusto for that, but... If you're going to do that, though, and you're going to do the, hey, um, warts and all, I'm still proud to be an American, you can do that, but you have to do it really well. And it just, to me, it wasn't awful. I wasn't like, oh, my God, Jesus. I was just like, this isn't it. It just wasn't it. I, I, I didn't see... I guess maybe I've also been a little checked out, so I, I also I didn't watch it live, didn't have that level of impact on me. I just agree with you that it wasn't. If you workshop that, and a lot of people weighed in on that, you need they more lied people. To you, yo, they took your money back. Yeah, <laughs> they th- took that, your money and lied to you because it they just told wasn't. You what you want to hear and got paid. It just wasn't a good, it, or they're not talented enough. Because yeah. because let me tell you. As someone who navigates talking about race almost every day, extemporaneously, on public platforms, you got to be really good. Like, and 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 if that's me putting, and I've made mistakes by the way, but I'm really good. Like, you have to work really hard, do a lot of knowledge, re- and learn to understand as he didn't in his response. That even if you disagree and your feelings are hurt, sometimes you just got to say, hey, I understand people didn't feel this. My bad. Um, I did the best I could. Um, I'm sorry if it didn't connect with everyone. That's that's my bad. I'll try to do better next time and keep it moving. That's it. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that, too, because like, like you said, the promo itself was was cringy and bad and it just like this ain't it but then the response is what's what sort of made it way worse than it than it ever needed to be 
But yeah, it, and you know, it, Nori said an interesting thing to me on on Drink Champs last week. Is it out yet? Can we can we listen to the whole thing? The, we'll and I'd love for thing? you guys to listen. The Drink Champs podcast, uh, it airs on Revolt tonight, and it goes on podcast tomorrow. The, snip, the snippets? Hilarious. Oh, I hope people like it. I think it was a good time, and I, I hope I don't, you know, I don't think I, I hope I talked about things with, you know, I wanted to give him some stuff, but I also didn't want to have, bring any drama either. I was trying my best. Um, and I'll say this about Nori too. He walks that line. <laughs> like he really does before you get into what you want to say of, of being entertaining, asking like very pointed questions that make his guests feel uncomfortable, but keeping it light and fun. He's a great host. Yeah, he really is. And and he made it. He said something to me that I thought was really interesting. Like I was, I was giving myself a hard time for mistakes that I've made, and sort of um, not always knowing when my privilege was built into what I was saying and how I was talking about something. And Nori bailed me out a little bit, and I think this is important. And this, I, I recognize that as a white guy, this is a delicate thing to explain. Or to try to explain. Um, he was like, yo, but you can't recognize. It's not easy to recognize when you're speaking of privilege. From privilege. It takes, and that's what I'm saying about Cody. It takes work. No no one, regardless of race or background or, or even um, financial status is able in the moment to always see that privilege is factored into what they're saying. It's intrinsic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You no, can't. And it's, it's exactly right. You, you can't. So I understand times when I've had people come at me or someone else and want to drag them down and be like, oh, my God, this reeks of privilege. And on the outside, I get why you'd be like, you can see it very clearly. But when you're the person who you think is just giving your opinion, you're like, no, what? This isn't of privilege. This is how I think. You ha- it takes, for me, it took years to understand that the very ideas that I had and my ability to be where I was came from privilege. Yeah, and, and I think a thing that, that you learned, and I'm not to speak for you anything like that, but over the course of your journey, I, I would assume that a thing that you learned that it it seems that Cody has yet to learn is that, you know, you have to do the work. And if you have that blind spot, it it is a problem that the people around you cannot solve for you. The people you work with cannot solve for you. The, the people that you have relationships cannot solve for you. And like, you have to solve it for yourself and you have to do it for yourself. And then when confronted, you can't hide behind, you know, I work at Hot 97. I love hip hop. You know, you, you know, you can't hide behind. Um, I have a black wife, girlfriend, whatever. Like, you, you want it, to on you. Listen, you you want to. Right. Like it's something that, you know, I remember. Do you remember? Have I, I think I told you this story and I may have told it on the podcast about a time when I was working at Hot 97 early and this person who I didn't really know, I was in a room. I had to have told you this because you love this story. I'm in a room with people talking 
and someone sends me like an iMessage or I guess maybe it was an AIM at the time. I don't know what it was. And they were like, yo. This was like your early days. That had any first second. year. And and someone messages me and says, so-and-so in this room says that you just said the N-word. And I was like, what do you mean? What? And they're like, yeah, she messaged me and said that she couldn't believe you said the N-word. And I'm like, but I didn't. He's like, yeah, I know. I told her that. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? Because I didn't, obviously, I said, I said, I've never said that word. And although I have a good story about that on the Drink Champs podcast about the time Donald Glover <laughs> made me audition for I a part that had to say, I where, I had, where I need to say the N word. That You could wait for that. But, um, I can't wait. I said, I've never said the N word. She thinks that I waited to get my job at Hot 97. And then I was going to drop it. That was the that was the plan, right? Right. And so, now this is a different story because obviously it was ludicrous. And and by the way, it was obviously accused you of it or ludicrous sent the message that. No, I said this is ludicrous. Oh, this is ludicrous. I thought you said it was ludicrous. That <laughs> no, and me. no, and listen. There's a million other things we could get into in this situation, like how this was someone someone else's own racial prejudice that led them to even say this in the first place, like. You just assume that the white guy here just dropped an N-word out of nowhere? I don't know if I... I was trying to think of what words I could have possibly even said that... Like, there was no content. There was, it was nonsensical. Was it Halloween? Was someone dressed up as a ninja? <laughs> as a ninja? Yeah. Was there a red ninja, a white was, ninja, was, and a black ninja? Was there someone who was excessively nagging? You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, right? Um, no, so so I, I say that to say though th- that I had that moment of going, oh yeah, that's the idea. Look at the life I live. Look at how I choose to live my life and the people I work with. And and you really think that I would be that way? And that does tap into that idea of look at me. I work at Hot ninety seven. Look at me. I I date black women. Look at me. My child is black. All of these things that yes. It can mean that you don't have a certain kind of racism that other people have. It may even, in fact, mean for you that you are not racist. It doesn't mean you're not privileged. It doesn't mean that you have right. an understanding. Like, I, sometimes I get asked questions about black people by white people. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Ask black well, people. you should know. You did. I know. You I'm like, it. I was like, I can tell you based on what I've heard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Anyways, that's enough about uh, Cody. Um but hey, there's not a ton to talk about in the ring anyway. Um, now, can I can I say this real quickly about Cody too in the promo? Yeah, just to just to end it on a lighthearted note, he mentioned that Anthony Gogo didn't come to America to live the England dream, and I just caution Cody: just look at the history of England. Them traveling the world to beat people up in their homeland and take over is 100% the England dream. So just be careful about about that. Yeah, the American dream is the English dream. Yeah, exactly. He's coming here to, to be the... He owes us one from 7076. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right, so SGG, moving on to inside the ring this week. You already mentioned the Riddle-Woods thing. Riddle ending it with the RKO, which was nice. Yeah, and also... Out of nowhere, I didn't see it coming. It was a great touch. I know I'm I'm into RK bro. Uh, I did Sam's podcast last week, and I think it was Sam who said this that he's 
as as fun as RK Bro is, like there's way more for Riddle to do, like right away. Like we we could already be getting to it, kind of as Dip was suggesting a few months ago. Um, I think there's a little more to do here because I think the way that you you break them up, I think maybe they should have a match as a tag team at the next pay per view. Yeah, and then after and then after that they break up, and then we get the big Riddle. Orton blow off at SummerSlam. Yes, because exactly because this can make it to SummerSlam. This can survive through through um, through SummerSlam for a big match and it, and, a, and a nice match too. And and after that, after SummerSlam, you know, then and I agree with Sam on this. Then Riddle uh, goes on a run of like beating people's asses and a lot of them. You gotta, we, we gotta get, you know, you gotta establish Riddle as the badass. You know, do, do we run him straight up to the title? No, because the, there's no title yet. At some point, I, I think, I think he needs to really be great so you could believe. You know that. Hey, if you had a great year with Riddle, how about WrestleMania with Lashley next year? Or Royal Rumble, or you know, sometime down the line. But I Royal think, Rumble winner Matt Riddle doesn't sound bad. Not at all. And then him calling out Lashley, and then you get like, you know, these two very different sort of badasses. But in order to do that, because Riddle's character was made to be so funny, they got to spend a little bit of time truly establishing that, like, yeah, he's funny backstage, but yo, when he's in the ring, he's crazy. We need they, that established. They sort of do that though, because I mean, when the bell rings, there's no jokey, jokey, smiley, goofy riddle. <laughs> that guy is gone. Though he did rings. go up on the rope after he won and do the Randy Orton pose. Yeah, but the bell rang. You know, mm-hmm. bell rings. In between the bells, you don't get that goofy guy. You get you get you get that serious riddle that you're asking about. Oh, so you're saying he's like what's his face? The Festus you can take seriously. You're, he's, you're saying Riddle is serious Festus. <laughs> yes. Yes. His uh, love's fun. He's a fun-loving guy. You know, when he's off the clock, you ring that bell. He goes to work. Bell rings again. He's back to having fun. Anything else stand out from over the last week, either SmackDown or Raw? The Samoan Anawai family saga continues where are we right now with the with the saga so the usos are scheduled to face the street profits on smackdown tomorrow night and i am speculating that that will end up being a handicap match because the tribal chief will deny approval to Jay to join his brother in that match and that Jimmy will get his ass beat by the street. <laughs> that's what I think is going to happen. That's a, that's a very good call. Jimmy, you think you could do what I do? You think you could be the head of the table? You think you could have the, the back of the W the, the load of the WWE locker room on your shoulders? 
can't do that, Jimmy. Come on. <laughs> I love this Roman. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, this this Roman is is just tremendous. I I hope that whenever whatever happens with Jimmy and Jay, I hope we end up circling around at some point. I want to see Roman flanked by both Usos. Yeah, it's yo, it's time. It really is. It might have to come from, unfortunately, Roman beating down Jimmy in like a pay-per-view match. Unfortunately for Jimmy, fortunately for the fans and the people who want to see a united bloodline, sorry, Jimmy, you know, sorry to that man. I, I hate it had to be you. But, it, know, it didn't. It, it didn't have to be you. But you now know, you could have just acknowledged the tribal chief. Um. Also, have you heard going back outside the ring? You've heard the rumors of SummerSlam at Allegiant Stadium outside in Vegas. I have heard those rumors. I have. I hope that's what happens. I think that would be pretty cool. I was cool with T-Mobile. But 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 is the is the fight that weekend at T-Mobile? The you talking about Pacquiao? Yeah, or is that somewhere? Is that MGM? Um, it is that weekend. I'm not sure where, but it is that weekend. Hmm. And Terrasante, lot of question marks around the old SummerSlam, and now Summer Jam is that Sunday. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, I, I'm choosing to not think about these things right now. You're going to be a, a jet flying, limousine riding. Well, do, we I mean, know, do we know what day SummerSlam is? We do not. Is it being speculated it, it's not going to be on a Sunday? I saw some speculation. Well, we'll see. I'm going to go ahead and root for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be dope, though. That would be. I, I will tell you. I said from very early on, one of my favorite things about AEW was them running the pay per views on Saturdays. And then they gave it up. Yo, are they on Sunday again? That this was week? cool. I, yeah. Now it's a holiday weekend, though, so it works. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's still it's basically a Saturday. It's Saturday, Jays. Yeah, it is basically a Saturday. So I, Dipperstein and I are trying to start a challenge of like naming the perfect, the per, the most perfect adjacent things in the world. You know, like Sierra Mist, Sprite Adjace. Sprite Adjace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it, Ruby Tuesdays, Chili's Adjace, Fridays Adjace, Fridays Adjace. Well, I think I think Chili's is Ruby Tuesdays Adjace. So Chili's is Fridays at Jace esque. Correct. They're still okay. related. They're still related. Yeah, those are the real winners if you can get three. If you if you can go all the way <laughs> string it from the original to esque and it all works, I mean that is that's really that's the move. By the way, did you start following um on account of the what I posted, the Atlanta Vintage Society? Yes, I did. Man, they like, 
He's I'm got not it. even. I haven't even been into like the cards and stuff like that. But my goodness, man! Like it's incredible what people have. Once you start getting into it, it's a dangerous game to play. And now I'm I'm pretty in. Like I'm not. Yeah. I'm not letting it take it, it, over it, it, my it, life. But I did. I mean, then again, I did spend thousands of dollars on a box of eighty-five tops. So. But yo, when see, it sounds crazy when you're not in the game. But when you're in the game, that's not a bad investment. Well, my hope is just that it continue. Like the thing here's the problem with the investment is that how much over how long can it grow? Like, can that box go from being worth five thousand to being worth ten thousand in the course of a couple years? Possibly, because the because the beauty of it is like you have no idea what's in that box. Correct. So like that that alone i think just increases the value because there's a possibility that there's like a $50,000 card in that box well no the, your best bet the best bet of the of the box is that you somehow pull a gem mint 10 hogan yeah the question is can you pull a gem mint 10 like the yeah. box is legit and it's sealed and looks very clean, although I don't have it in my hands yet. I need to get my hands. I paid for it. I still don't have it. Now, that is a tragedy. I know. I still haven't linked up with the, the dude to get it. I got I to gotta make that happen. But go follow Atlanta Vintage Society. If you're, if you're curious to buy cards because he sells a ton of PSA-rated wrestling cards, uh, I'm told the second biggest wrestling card collection in the world. That's what I'm told. Uh, who has the biggest? I don't know. There's a dude who I, I, I think I linked you to the post. He posted about, it must have been like 20-something Hogan rookies. And the, like some of them were graded a nine. And they were just, the, and, then, and then in another post, he had about 12 Andre cards from that same year. Are you talking 85 tops? Are you talking no, these are 80, like rest, 82 rest, all-star 82 all-stars yeah he had he had like 20 something hogan 82 all-stars graded sealed and then in the very next post there was a bunch of andres in the same condition and i'm just like yo i gotta be looking at like two hundred thousand dollars worth of cards well i mean the thing is I, I if i'm someone like that though i never would post that i had that many you're, right. you're hurting but, your own value. But this wasn't even, but this was like just a piece of, of a vast collection at that. Speaking of which, I have to tell you, I really do enjoy the, the hidden gem show on a Yeah. I don't, I don't enjoy that guy that they keep going to that won't, <laughs> won't give anything back. Get well, him out of here. Well, listen, if they come to me looking for the Bret Hart glasses, I'm add me to the list because some of these numbers <laughs> they throw out there, I'm like, what? Hell no. They wanted yeah. they wanted an original cane mask for like a few thousand dollars. But uh, don't don't they kind of set the price of what it's worth though? Like if they're telling you that's what it's worth. I or maybe no. they just been watching too much porn stars. Yeah, I think they're pricing it low. I, I think an original cane mask, you are talking. 10 15 grand 
If it's an original that he used in the early days that he wore in ring, I don't know. In ring stuff, the price is just going up. Yeah. Yeah. Just based on those two words alone. The only in ring item that I own is when Alicia Fox joined the Bellas for a night and I have her Bella shirt. <laughs> you know what? Another that's a story for the Patreon. Story for the <laughs> So I so I do so before we close this out, I do want to say I got a lot of emails from people and ninety percent said they supported Patreon. And you know, Dip and I were doing the math on it. And, you know, just to be really clear with everyone, this has never been a a labor of financial success. That has never been it. ESPN's deal with how they operate with advertising and podcasts is not beneficial for the broadcasters. It's all part of, like, just generally working at ESPN, you can do a podcast. Now, I don't know what it's like for maybe some other people who are higher up on the totem pole, but that's what it's been like for us. And then on top of that, ran into complications because, you know, SGG is not a an ESPN employee, which is not common for their how they operate. So trying to navigate that, which I tried to do, was fruitless. So I say all of that because if we are to go to Patreon, it's not only about supporting the new episodes which i hope people would but it's also sort of you know showing the love back for years gone by you know in which i made a nominal amount of money that was basically just you know i guess you could look at it as a part of my espn salary and sgg made less than nominal Right. So, you know, the the biggest little chunks of change we've gotten are when we sell a T-shirt here or there and get a, a, you know, when it's all said and done after you pay for the shirts, you know, thousand bucks here, thousand bucks there. It it has not been a lucrative process. So. And the live shows, too. When I was saying I don't want true. live crowds back, I wasn't talking about Cheap Heat Live. I was talking about Monday Night Raw, SmackDown. But no, the Cheap Heat Live, an empty Cheap Heat Live with computer yeah. screens. That's not it. No, Cheap Heat Live, we want you guys to come back. So, back. so the Patreon idea that I would think of is my thought of it would be is, and this is just what's popped into my head, is 4 or $5 a month. So between a dollar and a dollar and a quarter per episode. Because if, if, if the peckerheads were down to pay around a dollar an episode, for the podcast. If we got the support from the universe that's been with us forever, you know, it, it would be a very small fraction of money for the people paying it, but it would add up to something that would be meaningful. You know, Patreon takes their cut, whatever. But in the end, it would be it would actually be a little bit of money. So most people said they were absolutely willing to do it. I got one or two from people like, no, nah, I don't really pay for podcasts. Um, you know, and, and so I, I'm still, we're still thinking about it. Dip and I had a couple of talks about it. Um, SGG and I need to talk more about it. What would make sense? You know, maybe you do two free episodes a month and two Patreon episodes a month. But 
The reason I'm partially inclined to just go to Patreon and not even do anything for free is because I don't feel like talking about Patreon. <laughs> yeah like because yeah. if, if we do the free episode we have to be like yo go to the patreon i hate this, this that, that ish i really like i don't want to run ads i hate ads like shout to conrad he is rich conrad has gotten podcast rich yo i fast forward through 10 minutes at the start of every one of his shows that i listen to and then i end up That's having that. to fast forward eight times throughout the podcast which shows that the, they're getting rich, but to me, it's not always a pleasant listen. I hate ads on podcasts. I, I like. I yeah. know it's weird because I do radio and I've accepted commercials in radio. I just have. That's how you got in. That's how it was when you got into it, though. Commercials on radio has always been a thing. It's always been there, but for me, when I listen to a podcast, like I don't want anything. I don't really want to hear about the sausage and i know i'm that's ironic because i'm doing it right now but that's because if we make this decision i want people to know sort of what the thought process is so we can hustle around i I, so i i have a couple of meetings coming up supposedly um with places that are interested so i'm going to hear people out but in the end when you have a sponsor to please you have certain things obligations you have i mean if you have a company you're working with you have obligations to that company you have the advertiser obligations that will come with that, etc. And I know there are people. Let's be who, honest too. Go ahead. The, the the SGG that you guys have grown to to know and love. If we will be holding to a company, they they get me out of here real quick. I'd make it four episodes and then it'll then good night, good luck. Yeah, no, you had, no. You had a good run. Right. It'll be. We'll have a new SGG. Stat guy George. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, no, no. I I just. And I feel like if we don't do full-on Patreon, yeah, we're always talking about Patreon. And it's like trying to taunt people with, if you want more, come to the moon. Like, I get it. I get it. Free is great, and people are used to podcasts being free. I really do understand. I do. And I would be bummed out to say goodbye to some people. But to be honest, SGG, if you're not willing to pay a dollar per episode... Am I really sad to see you go? A dollar. Yeah, I don't think so. A dollar. 50 bucks. It would end up being like 50 bucks a year. Between 40 and, and, and $60 a year. Look at it this way. If we go to Patreon and if we charge $5, I'm not pocket watching. I'm not saying I'm doing that. But what I'm saying is you were paying 10 for the network. The network moved over to Peacock. You're getting Peacock and the network for five. Correct. You got another five sitting in your pocket that you're not doing nothing with right now. Maybe it's a it's a sandwich here or a bag of Skittles there. Give it to us. Continue to get your cheap heat. Nothing about your lifestyle changes. Great point by you. It's a great point. And everybody's happy. And I'll tell you this too. You know, just for me from a motivational standpoint, and I hope this doesn't sound jerky but when you know that people are paying hard-earned money it does change the the level of commitment you have to the product you know like like in terms of consistency for release um giving extras things like that it just that is sort of inherent to it because while it's nice when it's a labor of love 
you're always like, well, we'll we'll get to it when we get to it. You can't really prioritize it above the things that are paying your bills. But when it's a product that people are paying for, the upside of that is you're inherently motivated to do it in a different way with a different level of organization. So that's my final spiel. If you guys want to email us more, rosenbergbeats at gmail.com and give your thoughts. If you want to tweet us at Rosenberg Radio, at Greg. And just say whether or not you're down for the Patreon. I am, I am, you know, considering what people are saying. And like I said, 90% of people are like, it's no doubt, let's do it. Um, and. Yeah, add me to the 90%. I'm a 90%er. I figure that. And the Discord part. Are you a part of any Discords, SUG? I am. I am. It, I, can, I, can, I can handle that. I can handle the Discord part. The Discord part's fun. Because it would basically allow people to have a permanent chat going with us. Are you a part of any discords? Just the one up one. The one up one. I didn't realize there was a one up one. I got to so, get in that. So one. real quick, how does Discord work? Can you only get access to it once you sign up for Patreon? Um, no. There's the you. You're granted access to it. So like people have it set up so that when you um sign up for the Patreon, you're automatically granted right. access. Right. So, you know, like I think that anybody be, can set one up and, can, you know, right. So even if, you know, for example, Jew World Order is too cheap to, to sign up for the podcast, we could grant them access so people could talk with them. Right. And then the, the beauty of it, we can boot them, too, if they and then if they're annoying, we'll say, you know what, it's time for you to pay. <laughs> exactly. But, exactly. yeah, it would be so cool to set up this. like a, a discord and it has multiple chat rooms. Right. So we could have pay-per-view live chats. We could have Raw and SmackDown chats for people to chat yeah. during the podcast. During we the can episodes. have an AEW only chat where I I will not be allowed to be in there spewing my negativity, and you can enjoy your show in peace. So I think there's I think I, I just say this while the Patreon costs money, I do think it would increase the level of community. So like there would be downside to it. I get it. Once you hit you know pay that monthly recurring five dollars or whatever it is, I understand that's a thing. I don't discount how much, you know, listen, I still hesitate when something costs money. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Then you think about how, if you're a UFC fan, how many times a year do you pay for some whack card that they tell you is the card of the year that you pay $65 for? Um, yeah. So anyways, that was all the sausage making for one day. Um, next week, big episode. It's album release week. Ooh. I might have to get I might have to get Big E to come on the show again next week to talk about the album with me because he he's one of the biggest fans of the people that I let hear it early. So maybe we'll have Big E jump on next week. Yes. A little, no, the album is dope. A little celebration. MVP as well. The album is dope. I appreciate you, SGG. Rosenbergbeats at gmail.com at Greg at Rosenberg Radio. SGG, do me a favor this week, if you will. It's Memorial Day. It's a three day weekend. And I need you. To go ahead, and I, by the way, I, I know it's I, we didn't. It's the pay per view this week, right? The AEW, the AEW one, yeah, it is this week. What's the main? What's the main main? I think I think the match that has shat, overshadowed everything is the Cody Anthony Gogo match, rightfully so. They 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 sold the hell out of it for right and wrong reasons. That's become the yeah, one. <laughs> they really did. Um, so that that really is the wait. One and what's I Moxley think. doing? I think Moxley is in a tag team title match. That's what I thought. If I'm not okay. mistaken. And then with Eddie Kingston against the Young Bucks. I do I and do I think, enjoy Moxley and Kingston together. Yeah, that's a good team. That is a that is a really good team. Um, oh, I oh, think no. the main main is the triple threat match, right? Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, Pac. I'll AEW tell you what. I'll tell you what. 
You know, listen, we talked last week, uh, or I did at least, about the new show Rampage that they're putting on TV. I know they're overdoing some things. I think they have way too many characters. I think they're not quite ready for the extra hour of TV. Um, It'll be an interesting test for them this week, too, because AEW is on Friday after SmackDown. So that'll be an interesting test for them. But while I do think they're doing a little bit too much, I will tell you, they know how their their week-to-week TV, I think, can suffer at times, but they know how to put together a meaningful pay-per-view card. Because they give it time to breathe in between pay-per-views. Like, they don't immediately start start the sprint to the next pay-per-view four weeks, sometimes two weeks down the road. Yeah, sometimes it's that they make, very often they make a match for, you know, WWE, they make a match for the next pay-per-view the night after the last pay-per-view. Yeah. So I, I let I, it breathe a little bit. The, the breathing definitely helps. Uh, you do me a favor this Memorial Day weekend. Um, stay mage. And take it easy, P. Oh, I have to hit the song. There we go. Wrestler in the history of the art form. Mage.